This is WCPO FM 1051 on your FM dial, Cincinnati, Ohio. WKRC, Cincinnati. This is the nation station. Hi again, everyone, and welcome to the Cincy Shirts Podcast. It's episode 136. Today on our show, Beach Acres. Where is, what's the strength behind the problem? And upon some reflection, she thought, okay, so he's getting into everything. What, what, what's, the, what's the strength in that? And she came to the conclusion that he must be curious. Beach Acres roots go back to the mid-19th century with the founding of the General Protestant Orphan Home in Mount Auburn. It moved to its current location in the mid-40s and was renamed Beach Acres in honor of the plethora of beech trees on the new property in Anderson Township. They got out of the orphan business, actually, in the 1980s and have since become more involved in foster care, as well as a resource for parents and educators, which actually makes up the bulk of their efforts today. Emily Scharfenberger and Corey Hatfield fill us in from Soup to Nuts. If you've been liking the podcast, you can help support it via PayPal or Venmo. Simply use podcast at cincyshirts.com and chip in whatever you feel is fair. Also, be sure to listen for that special promo code at the end of the episode so you can save 20% off your next Cincy Shirts or OldSchoolShirts.com order. Now let's talk to Emily and Corey from Beach Acres. Cincinnati, Cincinnati, Ohio. I come from C-I-N-C-I-N-N-A-T-I, Cincinnati. She came down from Cincinnati. Just maybe think of me once in a while. I'm at CincyShirts.com in Cincinnati. So I guess this is going to be kind of a, a localized uh, podcast in a way because... Um, well, Billy grew up in Anderson, and I've lived in Anderson for 20-odd years. So uh, I'm well familiar with Beach Acres, but not really probably in detail. I guess to me and to most people in the township and on the east side, Beach Acres is, was once some kind of orphanage, is what we know. And it's also a big park, because part of the land is run by the Anderson uh, Township Park District. And uh, that's about all we know, basically. <laughs> So do you want, does yeah. someone want to walk us through the history? I know it, it dates back to the 1800s. I, I mean, I looked on the, the website, but for the listeners, I know it dates back to the mid-1800s. One of you guys want to pick it up from there? Yes. So I also am an Anderson Township resident and have been for 30-some years. So same experience. Yes, it did start as a German general Protestant orphanage. A lot of people still think it is an orphanage. It is not. So we do not have kids in any of our facilities any longer. But yes, it was. So we are over 170 years old. Um, And for those who are not familiar, it is in between Mount Washington and Anderson. Beautiful campus. So if you haven't been by, definitely come by. It is gorgeous. And there is a park in the back. Um, So now we are, as we've progressed and um, have grown, we are um, a parenting center now. So our focus is really on unleashing the gifts of children, but really empowering parents and caregivers. So we do serve over 20,000 people annually now um, through just a wide range of services. Again, as we've grown from an orphanage into a parenting center. um, So our big programs are now foster care and adoption. So going from that orphanage, still being able to support kids and um, that, you know, are struggling that might be in um, homes that just need some other additional supports. So having that foster care and adoption program and then that behavioral health support, parent coaching and much more. 
We are in schools, pediatric offices, and in the community with innovative services like the Character Effect, which we will talk about, um, and then Parent Connects and Beyond the Classroom. All of our programs now are founded on Natural Strength Parenting Framework, which really enables parents to unlock their potential by building on their unique strengths. So we really, again, have evolved, started as an orphanage, have continued really that same kind of mission and vision, helping um, children grow, but also helping the family unit grow and really providing those skills. So getting back to the orphanage days, uh, first off, it was started because of a cholera outbreak, if I understand correct. correct. So there was an epidemic then that, yes, a lot of um, children and families were getting diseases. And so, yes, it did start with that. And it was originally on Burnett Avenue. Correct. Yes. And is yes. that building still there? It is not on Burnett Avenue. So from Burnett Avenue, we moved, um, kind of have moved around throughout greater Cincinnati community. So started there, then went kind of that Mount Auburn area and then moved to where we are currently. Okay. And that was about the 1940s that you arrived in Anderson Township? Correct. Correct. Okay. Yes. And, uh, and there was a big kind of fair like event that became kind of the popular fundraising event for at that time. So it was huge. It sounds like, you know, 50,000 people um, would attend that. And as it moved to the current campus, just continued to get bigger. But as we started to evolve into other things and growing, um, that kind of disseminated. Yeah, I saw the, the last one was in 1986. That was Correct. Like, okay. Correct. We need to get yes. a t-shirt sorted for that. Probably, folks yeah. probably have a lot of good memories of that, especially growing up in this yes. space. Yes, yes. And it is interesting. I mean, just an interesting thing as we were currently not on campus due to the current um, state with COVID and everything else. But at times when you're on the campus, people will come by and just say, hey, can we get a tour? Because, you know, either they remember what it was or they were present when it was an orphanage. So it's kind of cool to hear those stories, too, as they're reminiscing and going through the cottages, because I will be honest. I mean, obviously, we've updated the cottages, but a lot of it is still you know, same layouts and things like that. So it brings back memories for them. So the buildings that are in the horseshoe shape, the cottages, for people who've driven by it on Beachmont Avenue, that's probably the most recognizable thing is the the cottages in a horseshoe. Almost looks like uh, at Bowling Green State University. I went to college. That's where yes. they had the um, uh, fraternities were like that for years and years until yes. they built new housing. But so that that housed it back in the day when it was first built in Anderson. It was that housed the most of the orphans. Mm, correct. Correct. And there were, uh, yes, there's showers, there's bathrooms, there's kitchen facilities. Yes, each building had its own housing unit. And so what are those buildings used for today? So we have, as we mentioned, have a number of different services. We do, again, do not have um, kids living out of our buildings. So between our um, foster care and adoption, so they, that's their offices. So for their staffing, they have one of our buildings. Our main kind of um, administration building, as you're talking about Horseshoe, is the bigger building in the center. So that has a lot of our, they're really just office spaces. So that has a lot of our administration and uh, um, that's our main building to go into if people want to tour or have any questions and things like that, that big main building. But everything else is just offices for our staff. Okay. And when did it stop being an orphanage and when did like the mission sort of shift into other areas? It was around, as you had mentioned, it was around kind of that um, 1988, 86 area of where it really moved from, again, continuing to be our focus of kids and families. 
moved into more of that parenting center and really supporting kids in the community that still, again, were struggling, um, having different situations, and then moving into really what a parenting center is now. So it was an orphanage as late as the 1980s? Correct. Okay. And so when did the park district kind of take over part of the land, or was was the... Was the campus always like, because I know it was a, formerly a farm uh, when you guys moved in there in ni- the 1940s, but like how much of the land was actually the orphanage and then was, how did the park a- a- enter into that? Because I know the kind of, because I know my, I used to take my daughters to uh, some programs at the rec center there. Correct. So we, um, so let me go back just a, co- a little bit sure. as we're talking history. So really around kind of like 1975, 1980 is when we really moved to that licensed foster care services. So moved really from that orphanage piece into the foster care piece and really so taking it from one one direction to the next and really having that foster care and adoption part of it. And then in terms of the park and then taking, so we've owned we owned the land and then the park then has just kind of slowly taken over part of so obviously that park area um in the back and then they just recently purchased that rec center as well so that rec center is currently now the park's ownership all right yeah and they're they're renovating it too Um, correct they are yes i've heard great things about it so in the shift in mission from orphanage to more parenting services and, and things that was like the uh, orphanage business, thankfully not really needed anymore because the, right. there were other resources, Correct. family. Okay. So yeah, are there orphanages that, anywhere? Are there still a thing? They are not. So I don't know. Um, they are not. Orphanages aren't really a thing in terms of that they live there 24 um, seven. There are some facilities in Cincinnati, Ohio that have kids that come onto their campus for either intensive school services. So if they can't be maintained in their regular school program, um, they do go on campuses for schooling or there are students that are children that go on to campuses that just need that more intensive um, support. And so they're on their campuses for the majority of the day. So what's the main focus now, would you say, of Beach Acres? What, what is the, the biggest percentage of your efforts focused on? I mean, I will say, so as I had shared just a little bit, I mean, our big programs currently are um, the Character Effect, which, again, I think we'll talk a little bit more about in a little bit, but then also our Parent Connects program. So our Parent Connects program is really based out of pediatric offices, again, with the current um, situation around COVID that's changed some of that more to virtual, but it is connected to pediatric offices. And so it really is parent coaching. And so as parents are dealing with, you know, I mean, especially right now with an immense amount of stress and feeling overwhelmed as they're at their pediatrician and having conversations, that pediatrician can connect them to one of our parent coaches that ideally is on site, but obviously right now we are virtual. So that connection can be made in supporting those parents through just some of those stressful times. Um, Our Beyond the Classroom model, which is based out of our schools, um, an array of schools within Cincinnati and Warren County. And that really is providing a holistic approach to supporting kids in the classroom behaviorally, helping to provide that support, but also helping to support that family unit. So really giving them If there's just a number of resources that they need, that connection piece, that's what our Beyond the Classroom can do, as well as providing that behavioral health support for a child. Um, And then also our foster care and adoption 
that's a big part of our agency as well. And just connecting, you know, children need homes, they need a space for them to be. And so really expanding, we've definitely expanded that program immensely from when we first started. So that as well um, is another big part of what we provide at Beach Acres Parenting Center. And then our kinship program. So kinship is really for those kin caregivers. So grandparents, aunts, uncles, family members that might be raising a child that either is their grandchild or um, another child within their, their relative family. So pre-pandemic, what kind of uh, challenges were you seeing with parents uh, that, that were coming to you for help? It's a really a, a ray. Sometimes it's that whole kind of starting young of, you know, that potty training and learning to develop through those kind of younger years of how do you get through and really um, build that skill level of children as they're building into that kindergarten. And then school age is really Kids have a lot to deal with. There's lots of stressors, even before pre-pandemic, pre-COVID. There's lots of stressors at schools, obviously such a high demand um, academically, but then just that peer piece and how to work through those peer pieces. Social media, obviously, is a huge is a huge piece as well. And then, you know, just supporting through that behavioral health is, is a challenge for anybody, um, and really being able to support parents, it really starts with building that relationship and engaging with them at that level to really get them um, that support and those those pieces that they need. So with the social media, I'm curious because that wasn't really a thing even 10, 15 right. years ago. So how do you recognize those challenges and then how do you deal with them? Do you have to like, you know, resource uh, you know, people to, that are experts in that area and you hire them on and you tend to try to develop a, a program and implement that? So we don't necessarily have um, programming around social media and per se. So, I mean, obviously, Beach Acres Parenting Center, we have a social media. We have somebody that, you know, works our social media and provides that support. So really around that social media piece is, I mean, that's, it's new to parents. So a lot of parents aren't as familiar. So it's really bringing an education level um, to parents around social media, the impacts of social media and bringing just an awareness. And so that's really where a lot of our parent coaching. So that parent connects can provide that support of obviously we're not going to tell a parent what to do, but we're going to give them and talk to them and provide them skills and knowledge and education around what is currently present and what's currently going on in society today with for young, you know, young people. Yeah, that's hard to keep up with. Um, you know, part of my job involves social media and I still have a hard time keeping up. Same with my wife. We actually have to resource our kids, you know, with some of the newer platforms and say, you know, how does this work? (laughs) How do do I do this? Yes. And then, you know, and usually my 16 year old now is the one that she's kind of monitoring things at her school. There's a, uh, an account, I guess, that's been started that's uh, uh, not a very nice account, let's just say, a little mm-hmm. trash-talking account, and, uh, and she reported it. So, yeah, it's uh, the, the, it's good to see the kids themselves are being more vigilant uh, about that. Correct. And it's good to, I mean, that's awesome that she was, you know, she recognized that and was able to, you know, report that too. And I think that's a lot of it too is really because, you know, kids are like, wait, do we say something? Do we not say something? That's a hard line to teeter on. And so really, again, educating parents on what those platforms are and what that is about and just, you know, educating them to hopefully that they're going to also educate their children, too. 
And uh, real quick on the foster care before we get into the character effect, is, has the need for foster care increased, decreased uh, since the mission kind of changed in the uh, 70s and 80s? Or is it always kind of, there's always some reason, you know, that foster care is needed has kind of been a steady uh, demand? I will say foster care has definitely, the, the need through the years, I mean, we've definitely evolved within that program and the need just is, is continuing to increase. So we do cover Hamilton Claremont, I mean, we've we've expanded into our kind of what we've done in terms of being able to cover for foster care as well, because the need does continue to be there and it continues to be a great need. And are there different reasons now than there were back uh, in the 70s and 80s, or is it just a variety of things that... You know? It's definitely a variety of things. You know, we had um, a big increase in the drug epidemic and heroin and things like that. I think we definitely saw an uptake and, and when that, you know, when that happened and just continues to, you know, there, that continues to be a struggle along with just, you know, other, other pieces and other, you know, abuses and things like that, that are taking place. Has the pandemic affected that at all? Or is it, are those problems still the same problems they always were? The, I mean, I think the, the pandemic probably has definitely, put some more light to some of that. Yes. To say for sure that it's actually that, you know, not for sure yet, but I definitely think there's probably some of that that plays into effect. Okay. So the character effect, when did that start? I didn't know this, this was a thing. Like I said, I, I knew that, uh, Beach Acres was formerly an orphanage and it it was a great resource for, uh, parenting coaching and things like that. But I had no idea about the character effect until uh, Billy sent over those links. Yes. Yes. I, this is, I obviously have a, true passion for the character effect as Corey does too. That's where we live and breathe every day. And so the character effect started in um, 2017 as both. So my background with Beach Acres, I've been there for 15 years and I really started in the school doing a lot of the work that we do in the school buildings and as well as did our director, Jamie Cabrera. And she, um, both of us having similar backgrounds really saw that you know, we had social emotional in our buildings, those programs, those curriculums to really provide that support for students, but we didn't have a universal social emotional that really was going to start with the teachers. As we know, teachers, there's a lot of demands on teachers. There's a lot of stress on teachers, keeping up with testing, keeping up with academics, behaviors in the classroom, So we had the supports for students, but we didn't necessarily have the supports for teachers. And that's really where we decided, let's create something in-house. Again, 2017 decided to really take that journey um, and develop the character effect to really become that universal social emotional program, starting with teachers, giving them those skills, helping them to develop the strengths within themselves that they then can help develop the strengths within their students in the classrooms. So it's kind of a, uh, not only a, a parent resource, but a teacher resource as well? It starts, so our, yes, so it's universal. So it starts with really the teachers and giving them that skill and then also develops into obviously that goes into the classrooms for the students. And then, yes, we also are engaging parents within that same program. So it's all three that are linked to the program. And how has that changed since it started? Like what have been some of the challenges that have cropped up that maybe you guys didn't foresee? So we really started developing and creating. And as we've, we've definitely continued to evolve, one of the big challenges I think that we've really 
undertaken. And I think we're in a really good space now, continuing to evolve and improve, but really to develop that virtual piece and really giving teachers, obviously a binder, you know, having a binder and a book or whatever is great for teachers, but really to have something that is super accessible for them that they can go online into their own portal that they can play a video or have a lesson right there is something that we've really saw was a challenge. We needed to create something to build and we've been able to do that. Again, continuing to evolve that and continuing to build that, but that has really become, again, saw a challenge, needed to come up with a solution. And it seems like it's very pandemic friendly even you know, before the pandemic happened, but with being, you know, virtual and an online resource. Correct. Yes, absolutely. And again, you know, pandemic has definitely obviously heightened that need. And so really, you know, really focusing on, on building that and creating that. And so, yes, we had started that and then have continued to evolve it and progress it. So there are specific success stories that stand out from the program that you can think of? Yes. Corey, do you want to take that one on? Yeah, I'll jump in here. So, hi guys, I'm here. Um, <laughs> so, lots and lots of success stories. If I was to break it down to small stories, one of my favorite stories that I tell is a teacher that had a student that was um, always coming into class and was getting into everything. So she's like, oh my gosh, Corey, he's coming in, he's opening up the drawers, he's pulling things off my desk, and I can't get him to sit down and focus. And... You know, at the character effect, we have a strength based and mindfulness approach. So I was like, let's reframe this. Let's flip this on its head because right now we're just looking at the problem. Where is, what's the strength behind the problem? And upon some reflection, she thought, okay, so he's getting into everything. What, what, what's, the, what's the strength in that? And she came to the conclusion that he must be curious. You know, I told her, I think that's probably accurate. So I was like, okay, so he's got this curiosity and he's coming in and he's kind of got this itch. He's going to use his strength. You can't really stop it. It's like trying to stop a wave because we have our strengths and we will use them. It's just a matter of calibrating how we use them. So what she did is she created a mystery box. So every day when he came into class, she had this box that he would put his hands in and he couldn't see what was in it, but he could feel. And he would try to figure out what the object was that was in the mystery box. And by her implementing that very simple uh, intervention, the student was able to kind of scratch his curiosity itch at the beginning of class, and that really helped with his transition from whatever he was doing outside of class to now being in class. So yeah, so really that was a story of her playing specifically to that student's strength, and that's a very you know singular story. Obviously, we have lots and lots of stories, but that's one of my favorite stories I like to tell about the character effect and a strength-based approach. So basically, if you're a teacher and uh, you're having some kind of issues, this is a, a resource that can help you. Because I've, I have a minuscule amount of experience uh, teaching. I teach a, a course on Saturdays. Uh, or I used to pre-pandemic. And, uh, you know, I could see some of the challenges that, are, like I say, real teachers have. So is this a, a way that they can kind of get some, some extra help if they've kind of like, you know, run out of resources to, to, to deal with a student or, or such? So as far as the idea of it being extra help, so what we're learning in education is that before we even talk about reading, writing, and arithmetic, we have to first talk about relationship. The positive, strong relationships with your student is a prerequisite for all of that, for everything you're going to try to accomplish in your classroom. So it's not really something extra. It's actually very fundamental to success as a teacher 
and success in educating your students because students don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So this is really a resource to create a shortcut to those positive relationships. It's a resource to help teachers and really the whole culture of the school build powerful relationships with one another. So how big is the program? I mean, how how many schools are involved or how many teachers are involved? So we currently have 24 schools within, actually probably 20, I, let me correct that, 26 schools within Greater Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky, and Warren County. So we have, um, within the first couple of years, really stuck to staying within the 90-mile radius of Greater Cincinnati. Just now are progressing to go um, national with the character effect, with the expansions that we've done, the creation of um, the online piece that we've talked about. So we actually are getting ready to go into Richmond, Texas in a school there, as well as um, in Oregon. Oh, wow. That's huge. Yes. 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 We are very excited. Very, very excited. And have the uh, again with this, have the challenges kind of changed over the years that, that teachers and educators are facing? Or is it basically the same issues and challenges, but just kind of manifesting themselves in a different way? Correct. So I think that, I mean, I definitely wouldn't say necessarily the challenges are changing, but they're increasing. So statistics says within the first five years, about 50% leave the profession with the overwhelming demands and, and concerns and everything that's going on in the education system. I, what I will say with the current situation with the pandemic, that is just heightened as there's so much stress on everybody's plate currently um, between teachers trying to figure out virtual or are they in class? How does that work too? As well as all of the other pieces that, you know, the, the academics and things like that. So I wouldn't necessarily say that it's, changed it's just heightened yeah speaking of the pandemic i guess that's been a huge challenge as well because i know a lot of teachers and it seems they're working like you know real late into the night now trying to get ready for the next day and trying to you know and in some cases they have both virtual and in-person learning Mm -hmm. that they have to you know take care of now how was the character effect helping with that so i think still staying to true to what we are and what our program is and it's really we we really wrap everything around the teachers and really giving them, again, giving them those self-care tools that they can have in their toolbox to really help and hope that it helps to kind of deal and minimize as much as possible everything that's going on with the pandemic. And also the resources that we have, um, we do provide a weekly text of just kind of a self-care pick-me-up, you got this text of you know, hopefully helping them get through the week, which we've had good reports from teachers um, that those are really helpful and help get them through. And it's a good reminder for them. So continuing to provide that support for them also, and Corey can talk a little bit more about this in their individualized coaching that they get is also a time for them to continue to work with our specialist that helps them to develop and increase what they would like as their own individual goal. And so that specialist can kind of help them along the way. But again, Corey might be able to talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, I can speak to that a little bit. So, you know, I, again, we're teachers first. So my first concern is the uh, the well-being of my teachers that I'm working with. So I'm always checking in with their emotional state. 
we know that half of nearly half of all teachers report high daily stress. That's actually increased now because of the pandemic. About 75% are reporting high daily stress. And then more, you know, more worrisome still, over half of teachers say that they don't have the skills to take care of themselves. So I start there uh, before I even talk about what we're going to be do- doing with the students. And I talk about their own mindful practice, their own self-care practice, their own strengths, how they can use their strengths in the classroom, um, how they can pull all that forward when they're working with students and when they're talking with parents. And what I find is that when I approach it that way, that typically most teachers are pretty selfless people. So they you know, rather quickly want to start talking about their students and how they can use all this great stuff for their students. And that's great you know, for me because that's what I ultimately want uh, is for them to use it in the classroom. But really, I start with them first. And are there any uh, interesting stories uh, post-pandemic where you, you've seen a lot of success in your efforts? So, you know, the teachers are they're working late, like you said earlier, and, you know, they're needing to talk with parents because the parents now are under stress because they don't know all this and they're struggling to uh, get their kids to uh, master the master the stuff that they're learning in class. Uh, so teachers are up late. They're talking to parents and, you know, I'm getting teachers, they're reaching out to me saying, oh my gosh, you know, I was up till 1030 talking on the phone with parents and, you know, they're, they're feeling a little defeated because they're seeing just the stress level for all of us. I would say it's, it's a very humbling experience for a lot of the teachers. And it's very humbling for me too, to see just, you know, the, the level of strain that we're seeing for a lot of us. You know, what I said to, what I'm saying to those teachers now is like, you know, we're, we're all in this together. We're all kind of feeling this, but at the same time, how can we create boundaries and still have a level of self-care that we can persevere during this, this challenging time? And I know, uh, so, (laughs) you know, I'm among the midst of it right now. So thinking of a specific story, it's kind of difficult because we're in it. We're still in that chapter. We haven't gotten to the, the conclusion where everything is bright and sunny at the end of it. But yeah, we're, we're in the trenches right now. So what's a typical day like for both of you? You know, you, well, I mean, I guess pre pandemic and books, I guess you're probably, you guys are probably both working from home more, I reckon, because you said no one is, is really there on campus. But uh, overall, what's a, what's a typical day like as far as, you know, things you address and do and. Emily, you want me to go to first? Yes, sounds good. All right, I'll go. So I'm a specialist and a team lead. So I'm actually in the school building meeting with teachers. So my typical day is a lot of individual coaching or meeting one-on-one with the teachers, you know, reflecting on mindfulness, strengths, asking them about their goals, their level of self-care, and really supporting them in moving towards their journey of discovering strengths and mindfulness, incorporating them into their own personal lives and into their classroom. So that's a lot of the individual coaching. I also spend a lot of time with group coaching. So this is time where I'm meeting with teams of teachers, and it's really more curriculum-focused. So the group coaching is a great time for everyone to reflect together and talk about you know, the lessons that they did in class, uh, what they have noticed, um, they can kind of pin ideas back and forth off of each other. Because, uh, you know, what we know is that when they have a team setting where we're all doing it, then it's easier for ideas to kind of spark and for uh, all of us to get excited because now we're creating a culture in the entire school. 
So individual coaching, group coaching. And then the final piece is I do classroom visits. So I will go into the classrooms and I'm looking for the strengths that I can see in the teacher while they're teaching. And then I'm also looking for the strengths that I can see in the students during class. So again, a lot of teachers can be a little nervous when I first you know, introduce them to the idea that I'm coming into the classroom and I'm watching because, you know, they've had many of them have had, you know, not the great greatest experiences with being observed. I'm sure we all have a story that we can think of in our own lives of being observed and getting bad feedback and how, you know, how hard that can be and challenging. But really, I'm strength based and I'm looking for what's good. I'm looking for what they're doing well already and really asking the question, how do we do more of that? How do we build on that? So that's a typical day for me in the school. So in, in normal times, you go from school to school. Yeah. So currently, I'm assigned to five schools in the greater Cincinnati area. Typically, I'll spend about a week at one of the schools, and then the next week, I'll be at the other school, and so on and so forth. Okay. And then how about you, Emily? What's a typical day like for you? Yeah. So I am. my title is Director of Strategic Partnerships at B. Jakers. So my role really is to manage the relationships of the schools that we currently have for the character effect, as well as selling to new schools. So what my typical day is really engaging our current customers just to see how things are going, um, kind of what you're talking about to the stress and the needs and what are their needs? Are we meeting the needs? Things like that. And then also selling to new. So really looking at where's the need and where do we need to continue to, to kind of work towards. And so that's really what my focus is. What I will say as we were talking, you know, and have been talking kind of to the need of, you know, what everything is going on with uh, society today, there's definitely a huge need for um, the character effect. We've seen a huge uptake in, um, in interest, which obviously is great because there's such a need for that social emotional and because we are universal social emotional that that's, you know, an even greater need. So the need is definitely there. It's definitely present and it's definitely increased. So how did you wind up uh, in schools in Texas and Oregon? Did they just find you online and, and inquire or did you know of a situation and say, hey, we, we can help? No, it was an inquire online. So we do have Google search. So as people search social emotional, the character effect does come up as one of the top leading ones. And so through that, that's how they, they found us and were able to get connected. And with what you guys are doing and seeing, do you, you know, it, it, we talked to the folks from the airport uh, a couple of weeks ago and they think they're going to see, you know, permanent changes even after things return to normal. Do you guys see that the same thing happening in education that we're going to, you know, draw things from this that are going to affect us down the road for, for better or for worse? Yeah, I mean, definitely, definitely. I think it's going to have an impact. Yes, a long-term impact at some level to some extent. I do, I do believe so. Yes. Oh, what ways do you, you see that happening? Either Corey or Emily can take that. You know, as we're seeing more people in education starting to realize that the virtual capacity is something that is an option. I think we're going to see more and more schools uh, having more of like a hybrid type model. And then we're going to see an increased need for those relationship building skills. Uh, You know, like the distance gets in between us and it's a lot harder to make a great relationship with someone when you're talking to them through a computer. These skills, these relationship building skills that we offer, I think are is going to be huge virtually. Like, how can we still have great relationships with our kids, even if we aren't with them in person? 
I think that's one of the one of the big ways that our program changes, and one of the big ways that education as a whole changes. Uh, a big thing we've been hearing about, especially in the business community, is you know people say, well, you know, this working from home thing has kind of been cool because now you know people can live wherever they want to; they don't have to live near the city. But then other people are saying the big thing about the pandemic, beyond the, the disease itself, has been we're losing in-person contacts. How do you think education is going to balance, like like kind of what you're saying? You know, the advantages of virtual versus you know the need for people to be together and for kids to be in a classroom together. And to have that relationship piece, which is a key, a key, key, key component, the teacher-student relationship, obviously, and doing that virtually, as we're all experiencing, is a challenge. And so one of the things that we created at Beach Acres was just a kind of quick, as we saw being predicted, who knows if it will happen or not, that, you know, those schools that are in may have to come out really quickly around the holiday time. And so as we saw that need, we said, hey, let's develop a webinar that is open to whoever would like to join on a quick 30-minute building relationships fast. So what we try to do is really kind of, obviously, we can't foresee what's going to happen, but hopefully have an idea and a pulse, kind of what direction things are going, and to try to build around that. So really developing that webinar, um, Corey is one of the presenters on that, and really building relationships fast. So to help teachers really how do you do that, build that, and create that, and develop that into the into their classroom settings is really what we um, what we built and created for that. So you guys really have to have your ear to the ground on this thing. Yes, yes, very very tight. Yes. And are you seeing a lot of like differing forecasts or things like that, or are things still on a fairly steady trajectory as to you know when things are going to sort of return to a I guess a consistent state at least. I mean, I think it's a little bit of both still. I mean, I don't know. I've, I've necessarily heard anything about a consistent state. I think it's still, it's still kind of, I think what I will say is some of our schools, I do know at the beginning, obviously a lot of them were very extremely stressed out trying to figure out and every week would be something different and it would change. I feel like some of that I'm not hearing as much about at my level. So I feel like some of it has maybe kind of, I don't know if it's calmed is the right word, but maybe settled down a little bit. But I don't know if that will always be the pace. It could pick back up again, again around the holiday time. I don't know. I imagine too that the um, with such a big footprint, you're seeing schools at varying degrees of readiness and varying degrees, you know, at, at various, I guess, threat levels for lack of a better word, the pandemic. Because even around us. Uh, you know, Milford, I think, delayed two weeks. Cincinnati Public delayed until the end of September in person. But Forest Hills just soldiered on and said, yeah. we're doing it by gum. And uh, is that kind of impacting you guys and kind of pulling you in different directions? It's just so, again, to what you were saying, just having our ears to the ground super tight. Um, and that's what it's really been. I mean, I build, obviously, a lot of those relationships. So just having constant communication with that leadership of, hey, what direction are you going? And we try to be, what I will say is we try to be the most flexible that we can absolutely be because we also know this is an extremely stressful time for everybody. So being understanding of that and trying to work around. So maybe that first they're like, hey, like it's going to be this. And then they're like, wait, we're going to shift really quick. It's going to be this. And so really just being able to be flexible with their shifting. Um, We did say, 
what I will say from our standpoint at the character effect, we did say in terms of professional development, because that's really where a lot of our programming starts is that professional development for teachers is that was just kind of to keep that flow and to keep us organized and just to keep everybody in general safe is we said we were going to do for the first 60 days, virtual professional development. So again, that allowed us to be flexible with our schools and really being able to work with them. And you guys feel the stress kind of by osmosis? I guess, Corey, that'd be a good question for you since you're kind of involved with more people on a day-to-day basis, it sounds like. You know, do you, when someone is feeling the stress, are you, do you kind of get a little anxiety too with that? Or you, do you know how to, you know, what tool to pick up and how to handle it? Yeah, so I love the way you put that osmosis, that um, stress by osmosis. Yeah, so there's definitely some secondary stress going on. Um, however, for my team and I, we st- practice modeling a lot of the a lot of the tools that we have with the character effect so we're always checking in with ourselves checking in with our levels of stress you know beefing up our mindfulness practice for self-care and for stress reduction but yeah i'm definitely i'm definitely feeling it a little bit i'm spending a lot more time texting and calling with teachers later at night than i ever have before teachers seem to always have a high level of stress you know not to their fault but it's just kind of the just kind of what the job is. Over half of the teachers quit within the first five years. So it's a tough gig. And, you know, so in a lot of ways, my team, we were kind of prepared for this because we have always been the first resource that teachers and schools reach out to when they are feeling stressed. So it's part of our job is to help reduce that stress. We want to be stress reducers, not stress inducers. And I think that's something that really makes us different from other programs and other stakeholders that are coming into the school and asking things of teachers. You know, all we ask of them is to take care of themselves so that they can better take care of their students. And how do you personally handle the stress? Like what kind of things do you do, you know, in in your personal life to kind of handle it? Oh, I'm annoying. I'm a runner. (laughs) So I, uh, I went for a run this morning, got up at six 30. So, you know, in self care, there's, there's big things you can do for self care, like for me running, and what I mean by big things is that they require lots of time or they may require lots of money. You know, when I ask someone, what do you do for self-care? They will often list those big things. Maybe it's, oh, it's going to the spa or it's going to go see a movie or taking a vacation. And we don't always have time to take the week and go on vacation down to Mexico or whatever. So really something that I do and I encourage a lot of my teachers to do is to not only do the big things, but pad your day with small little bits of self-care. So these would be like little releases. Like you can think of like the brakes releasing on a big semi truck, just like little, little spurts of self-care. How can you pad that through your day? A great way you can do that is by playing to your strengths. So for me, one of my top strengths is humor. So if I'm feeling a little stressed during the day, I may, you know, I have a bad dad joke book that I have here at how, at my house. So I'll look at some of those and I'll think of a really bad joke I might be able to bring to a coaching session with the teacher. So, you know, well, I'll start the session and be like, hey, I was wondering why the baseball was getting bigger. And then it hit me, you know, <laughs> and no one laughs, but I laugh because <laughs> it's my humor coming out. And that is like a great example of very small ways that you can pad your day through self-care. Some people, it might be taking a quick break just to get a cup of coffee. Whatever it say, is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
because uh, people, you know, d- you know, the, the old fashioned coffee break from back in the fifties and sixties, it really has some mm. value when you think about it. Whether it's you know, like you said, getting coffee or getting a can of coke, or even just stepping outside for a minute and walking around the building if you happen to work in an office or something like that. I don't think people really realize the value of that brief little break just to yeah, reset. it could be ten seconds just taking a deep breath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah ten exactly. seconds, take a deep breath. Yeah. So we've covered the character effect. We've covered uh, the, the Foster uh, program. Uh, are there any other things that Beach Acres is involved in these days that uh, you guys wanted to cover? Uh, uh, one of the things that I thoroughly enjoy about the character effect and the way that it, it can relate to not just the pa- the teachers or parents as the kids, the video series you guys created and the characters for the character effects are pretty awesome. Where, where do those guys come from? Those are aliens. They're Bex, Moffy, Click, and Astrobot. Astrobot is actually a robot. So the backstory on our characters, it's, a, it's fun and it's for the kids, is that the world's most advanced research robot, Astrobot, he crash-landed on a previously unknown planet, RAD-1, or RAD-1. And during the crash, Astrobot did a hard reboot, and this brought him back to a childlike state. So upon making contact with its with the planet's inhabitants, a kind alien family brought an Astrobot and put him in a new and challenging frontier, middle school. <laughs> so <laughs> this is our video series that the kids really enjoy. And during the video series, we're highlighting some of those mindfulness, strength-based activities that can help kids really increase their social and emotional capacities of self, you know, self-awareness, self-management relationship skills, social awareness, and responsible decision-making. So they're learning all those good things through these, these video series with our, with our fantastic character, characters. And who created those? Yeah, so we worked with a number of different entities. So Hambone is one entity that we worked with and then moved to around Primex as well and helping us create what, is, what do our characters look like. So yes. And people can find those uh, right on the uh, the Character Effect website? Right on the Character Effect website, yes. They're super. And then also we have a, um, a YouTube channel as well, the Character Effect YouTube channel. So they also, those are found on our YouTube channel too. Oh, great. So people can, can look, yeah, up, it, look those up. Go ahead, Corey. It, yeah, you can go and watch them right now. For a limited time, they're available for free on YouTube at Beach Acres. Oh, okay. It would and what's so great about them is what? The longest one is two and a half minutes. So it's quick, to the point, keeps your yeah. attention. I think that's fantastic. Yes, yes. Exactly. I'll have to check those out. Anything else you guys wanted to cover as far as the Beach Acres like, overall? No, I mean, I think we mentioned, um, as I was talking earlier, mentioned our programs and what a lot of them you know, cover and entail. I mean, our other big program that we have in the schools is the Beyond the Classroom model. So a lot of times we have both the character effect and beyond the classroom in a school that's really helping to, again, our goal is to really change and shift a culture with the character effect as that social, emotional, universal um, program that we have. And then with the beyond the classroom, they're coming in really being able to provide that support around um, behavioral health issues and things like that that students might be experiencing in the classroom. So you have that teacher support and then you are able to have just that direct support for the students as well. And really that whole family unit as a whole also with beyond the classroom to be able to cover any needs that might be present. So those two programs working together is a great, a great combination. Now they're not in all of our schools together, but where they are, it is a good combination there. 
So any future missions you foresee taking on, or do you think the with the programs that you have will just be kind of retooled as needed to, you know, face the coming challenges, you know, in a post-pandemic world and, and even beyond? Correct. I think exactly what you just said. I think with our current, really just looking at how we continue to move those forward or meet the need that is currently in, you know, that's going on or will be going on, whatever, you know, happens next. And so as we continue, as you know, mentioned before, continuing to grow the character effect and going national with that, and then continuing to grow both our Parent Connects model that's out of pediatric offices and making that bigger as well is really our goal for our programs. So if you're a parent and or an educator, or how can people access your resources? What's the easiest way to do that to find you guys? To go on to beachacres.org. Everything is on there. All of our programs, both the character effects and everything else is on our website. So that is the easiest and fastest way. It's kind of interesting to think what, you know, somebody from who started, you know, the orphanage in the 1840s, you know, in the midst of the cholera pandemic, uh, would think now what some over 150 years later, what the organization, you know, finally turned into. Yes. So what I will say, obviously, um, our CEO, Jim Mason, he wasn't obviously around that long, but he has been um, at Beach Acres for a good part of, as it was an orphanage into as it has evolved now. So he has had the opportunity to see both, and he's got a good um, vision and a good understanding of, of those pieces. So, And Corey mentioned, of course, you got the YouTube channel, other social media platforms as well. You had mentioned those uh, earlier uh, in passing. Uh, what, all, what all platforms can folks find you on? So we are on Facebook, we are on Instagram, and we are also on Twitter. All right. So the Character Effect has its own, as well as Beach Acres Parenting Center has its own as well. Oh, cool. Okay, great. Uh, Well, we've come to the time in the program where you folks get to pick a coupon code. And if you're not familiar, uh, you basically choose a word or phrase, and then folks can go to our website or one of our sibling websites and take 20% off their T-shirt order or go into one of our stores uh, and over the Ryan Hyde Park and do the same. So uh, if you guys want to have a little huddle up, Corey and Emily, and just decide what, what phrase or word would you like the coupon code to be for the next week until the next episode drops. Go for it, Corey. Wow, so much power. <laughs> How about, uh, could it just be, we got this? Yeah, sure. Perfect. There you go. Simple. Easy we to We got this. All right, super. We got this. All one word. Billy, Darren, anything, any other questions you guys have? Uh, I think, I think we covered a lot of it. I think it's pretty cool to know that, that it changed from an orphanage in the late eighties. Cause whenever I played basketball in the facility or baseball, my dad would say to me, Hey, if you have a bad game, we're just going to drop you off. So. <laughs> that sounds like your dad. <laughs> I can believe that. Yeah, it is really cool how it's changed over because, like I said, when I first moved here, I noticed that that was there, and I over I was, I was I always wondered, you know, what's the story behind Beach Acres? And now we know. Yes. There we go. Great. Well, uh, thanks for joining us today, guys, and, and p- taking the time out of your busy schedules. And maybe we'll do this again sometime when uh, maybe get an update. That would be great. Thank you. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Bye. Beach baby, beach baby, give me your hand, give me something that I can Emily and Corey off of Beach Acres. 
Uh, the tune back there in the background, the playout song, is Beach Baby by First Class. They are a uh, husband and wife songwriting duo from London. They were back in the 70s there. Tried to sell that to the Beach Boys. The Beach Boys declined. And uh, you can see why. You can tell it was written by people from Britain. They just chose things that sounded American. Chevrolet. Nobody says that. Uh, you drove a Chevrolet. Uh, San Jose is in Northern California, not Southern California. Still a cracking tune, though, so good for them that they had a hit with it. Uh, got that into the top ten. In the meantime, if you're interested in uh, finding out more about Beach Acres, just go to beachacres.org. They also have locations in Lebanon and uh, smack in the middle of the west side. They're right there on Glenmore Avenue. So, again, go to beachacres.org. Find out more about their parenting and education programs. You can even volunteer if you like to. There's information on how to do that, if you're keen, as the British would say. Now, if there's someone you'd like to hear on the podcast or someone you'd like us to have back on the podcast, simply email us podcast at cincyshirts.com, put podcast guest in the subject line, and then just give us the details. Be sure to tell friends and loved ones about the show, including folks who may no longer live in the area but still feel connected to the tri-state. If you haven't already, check out the Cincy Shirts podcast archives from baseball great Johnny Bench to actors Amy Yes back there. There's tons of great episodes back there. Today's show is produced by me with help from Josh, Darren, and Billy. Our theme music is Cincinnati by Big Nothing. They are from Philadelphia. Find their music on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your music. Find vintage tees from great places like Philadelphia, Boston, Phoenix, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Louisville, Seattle, and many more. We have like 31, 32 cities now at oldschoolshirts.com. A lot of defunct sports teams like football, hockey, basketball, soccer, of course, old shopping centers, old malls, restaurants, radio stations, clubs, you name it. It's like Cincy shirts, but for those towns. And again, the promo code for this episode is we got this all one word, uh, all lowercase, all uppercase, doesn't matter. Use that to take 20% off your entire cincyshirts.com or oldschoolshirts.com order or come into our store and over the Ryan Hyde Park and tell your nearest sales associate you would like to use the podcast promo code. We got this. All right, so follow our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat for the latest NC Shirts news. Tell your friends about the show. Give us a good review wherever you get the podcast from. And as always, download or stream us next time. Bye. I said goodbye